writing down on your list people you can invite uh, to Alpha, and we're going to see uh, great fruit. So uh, that video was just a brief testimonial of what's happened to one person of the hundreds and thousands of people around the world who have uh, come to Alpha. And maybe you're here today and you're just exploring faith for yourself. We're really glad you're here and, and uh, glad that you can come and, and investigate who Jesus is and who his people are and who the church is. Alpha would be a fantastic thing for you to uh, come to to learn more about Jesus. All right? Um, hey, so today is identity part three. Uh, after we the conclusion of the message, we're going to just have a bit of worship and uh, a baptism uh, from someone who responded last week uh, to the message. So that will be a great way to celebrate perhaps today. Uh, you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord or haven't uh, put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And uh, maybe that would happen today. We'd love to uh, be a part of your baptism. You could, while we're baptizing later in the service, you could uh, speak to myself towards the end of the meeting. We'd love to talk to you about uh, future steps in your faith. But now we're going to look at identity, identity part three, and we're going to call this Identity theft or in Christ. Identity theft or in Christ. In the last two weeks, we spoke about freedom in Christ. In Christ, we're free. And then last week, we talked about being uh, child, children of God. We're sons or daughters of God, and he's our father. He's a really good father. Can I hear a great big amen? He's a good father. And uh, today we're going to talk about what it means to be in Christ, and uh, we're going to we're going to read in a moment First Peter two nine through ten. And I want to say this about identity because identity uh, can be a very confusing topic, right? Uh, your listen, your appearance is not your identity. Uh, what the world says is not your identity. What someone else has spoken over you or to you or cursed you, maybe it's been a, almost a curse, and that's a strong word, over your life where they've said, man, you're not good enough, uh, you're, you're not smart enough, and darn it, people don't like you, right? Uh, you're, what people say isn't your identity. What God says about you is your Identity, and we're going to talk about that today, who you really are. What culture is saying isn't who you are. The way you try to dress or look or portray yourself or the way your Facebook portrays you, that's not your identity, right? Uh, people lose their identity all the time. They lose who they are. Right? They lose track of who they are. They lose sight of who they are. And uh, there's things now in our culture like identity theft and cyber attacks where your whole identity, you know, you hear these commercials and you feel like you should buy these spyware things or, you know, buy LifeLock for your whole life to protect, right? To protect your identity. I read a story in 2004 of a man. He woke up uh, beaten and naked behind a Burger King. Uh, in the state of in R Richmond Hill, Georgia. Missing persons tried to find who he was. The FBI got fingerprints. They tried to, uh, the n doctors and nurses worked with him to try. He had disassociative amnesia. Totally no clue of who he was, who his 
You know, who am I? I don't know. I feel like that some days pre-coffee in the morning, right? I need a triple shot Americano, and then I, then I remember who I am and why am I here. Some of you walk into rooms and forget why you are there, right? Uh, <laughs> why am I here and what did I do? And who are you people staring at me? Uh, this man totally did. Dr. Phil did a whole special to try to find out, and no one knew. The national news, no one could figure. Imagine waking up one day or being found. You come to church one minute, you go out, you don't know your past, your present, or your future, why you exist. Imagine how we take for granted how important our identity is is are you with me today so the enemy uh, there's a spiritual battle right now over your identity of who you really are you know the enemy and the enemy can't create the devil can't create he, he can only pervert destroy or distort pervert destroy or distort who you are he can only confuse and that that's all he wants to do using the opinions of others uh, maybe it's been a partner maybe it's peers trying to mold you into your image maybe you're a student and and someone else is trying to distort who God says you are we really need to be grounded on who God says we are you know and the devil tries to tell you you are what you did right he says, you are what you did. Well, uh, I, I, guess I've, I guess I drink too much, so I am an alcoholic, right? And I understand, I understand people have a proclivity to addictions. People have a proclivity to uh, certain behaviors. But, hey, listen, God says you are a child of God. It's for freedom Christ set you free. So we have to be careful not to label ourselves uh, by the behavior that we did. Are you with me today? So... So uh, it, there's nothing wrong with saying, man, I, I have a, a draw. There's maybe been a draw in my life to alcohol, but I'd be very careful saying, well, I am an alcoholic, right? So do you see that? So what is your identity? Is it what the world says or what God says you are? I love the part in Genesis 3. The serpent came and deceived Adam and Eve, and they took the fruit, they ate it, and it says they ran and hid. And God came and said, where are you? And they said, we're hiding because we're naked and ashamed. Right? We're naked and ashamed. In God's words, he says, who told you that? Who told you that? And that's what I want to ask you today. Who told you you were, you were no good? Who told you you were never going to mount to anything? Who told you you were garbage? Who told you that? And that's God's question. God comes down and says, who told you? Who tricked you? Who deceived you? Who, who got into your mind and started to rob your identity and, and steal your identity to pervert, distort, or to destroy? It's the enemy. Can I hear an amen? So with all the combative efforts of the enemy, how do I know the real me? How do I know what my real identity is? We're going to talk about uh, this today in Blaise or Blasey Pascal. Uh, he was a physicist and a mathematician in the 1600s. He said this, listen to this, think about this in regards to your identity. Not only do we not know God by Jesus Christ alone, but we know ourselves only by Jesus. 
We know life, death through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, we do not know what is our life, nor our death, nor God, nor ourselves. Thus, without the scriptures, which Jesus alone uh, for its object, we know nothing and see only darkness and confusion in the nature of God and in our own nature. That's a powerful statement. Not only do we know God by Jesus alone, but we know ourselves through Jesus. That's where we find our identity. And there's this phrase used all through the Bible, uh, probably about a hundred times. It's one of the most common ways to describe a Christian. And actually, the word Christian isn't used a lot to describe a follower of Christ. What's more uh, commonly used is this phrase, in Christ. So are, are, if you had identity theft, or are you in Christ? Are you in Christ and there's about a hundred verses that talk about being in Christ and around 30 that talk about uh, because we're in Christ how then do we live and we don't have time to look at all 100 or even 30 but we're going to look at five characteristics of what it means to be in Christ today so you can see your identity established all right um, my brother Jake he works for a ministry called every home for Christ and he has the distinct privilege of flying. He's an accountant slash missionary, and he has the privilege of flying to different countries uh, to do audits um, and do financial audits for all these mission organizations that get a lot of money to, to share the gospel. So he comes in to help them with their bookkeeping and make sure things are straight and make sure donations go where they need to go. And because he travels so much, I, I didn't realize there is one of these, but he got a global access ID card. And what that, yeah, hello, I'm Jake. <laughs> what that does is it basically means when you land in our country, you skip security. Wouldn't that be cool? It just, shoom. And so he had to go through interviews. He had to get uh, background checks. He had to uh, get a get, not only get fingerprints, like, a, like just one thumbprint. They had to fingerprint every finger, thumb and finger on his hand. They wanted to know that Jake is Jake. Are you Jake? I don't know. So he had got a global uh, access ID card. So he has this fast track, but it, it, there's five fingerprints on one hand. And I want to talk to you about five fingerprints of your identity, five things unique to someone who is in Christ. Are you with me today? And and uh, it, this is going to help. This is uh, going to be powerful for some of you. Very simple today, but extremely powerful you have to have to have to get this message in your heart so your identity isn't stolen so are you ready first peter 2 9 through 10 five fingerprints your identity let's read the main text together it says this but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation of people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but you are now the people of God. Once you have received mercy, but now you will receive mercy. Can I hear a big amen? Linda, here's a cough drop. There you go. I heard that cough. You need to get a humidifier maybe for your room too. Let's pray. We're not done, but let's just pray as we uh, 
Father, as we um, we want to access the identity that you have for us, and as we've looked at your word, God, we pray for anyone where their identity has been stolen by the enemy, and maybe they've been confused or distorted or distracted. Maybe the enemy's tried to destroy who they really are, and maybe there's times as believers we've forgotten who we are in Christ, what it means to be in Christ. We're not in the world. We're not what the world says. We're not what the serpent told us we are. We're what you say we are, God. And so I pray today, and, and, and perhaps there's times even in my own life or our lives where we've uh, not lifted people up to the identity that you see them as. And we pray that we could honor your creation and mankind today in the church today, and you'd bring total freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number one, the number one finger, the first fingerprint for your identity. Uh, and guys, this is good news today. How many want to hear good news today? There's enough bad news. Number one, you are totally accepted. You are, as First Peter said, you have been chosen by God himself. You have been chosen. Think about uh, maybe you were the kid on the sports team that was picked last or second to last, and you're, you're just standing in line hoping, thinking, I hope I'm not last. You know what I mean? Think of, of all the times you looked for acceptance, maybe in a relationship, maybe into, maybe you were the crazy guy in high school doing something totally ridiculous so you could find acceptance, right? Watch how fast I can drive, or I'll, I'll jump over this huge chasm, or I'll do something so people think, or maybe you're in a fraternity or sorority, and, and you heard the words chug, 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 chug. Maybe, and, and you're going, yeah, I, I want to be accepted. Come on, you can laugh. People do that. They're like, it wasn't me. It was my spouse, my wife. <laughs> Doing keg stands in college. So, man, people think, boy, he's really cool, right? Think of all the things we do in relationships so people accept us and bring us in or uh, love us. And, and even um, so... If you're not convinced that you are chosen by God, this is something God has to do in you supernaturally. And the way, two things you, to know you're chosen. Everyone say, I'm chosen. You're chosen by God. Think about that. The first thing to really cement that in your spirit is to know God chose you before everything. Everyone say everything. He chose you before everything. Ephesians 1, 4 says he chose us. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight by his love. He picked you. He picked you. He looked down and I said, I want that one. I want to choose that one. He, you're, you're chosen. You're totally chosen by God. He wants you in his family. And the other way we know that we're chosen is what we, we read in Titus 3, 7. It says, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. Did you know that you're totally accepted today? Did you know that where God accepts you? He chose you. He, he's the one who picked you. It wasn't uh, you thought someone drug you to church today and you're just here going through the motions, but God chose you. He loves you. It's the, the first step in knowing your true identity is knowing, man, God loves me. He picked me. I'm totally chosen. He made me acceptable. 
Even though I had all these mistakes, God loved me and he accepted me and made me chosen. I'm, I'm on the A team, right? I'm on the A team. I'm, a, I'm one of God's favorite kids. Do you believe that today, that you were picked, handpicked by God? The second thing, as we read through Peter, it goes on and says, you are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And if you have your Bible open, underline holy and belonging. Those two words are key. The second fingerprint is uh, you are extremely valuable. You are ext- Think of those words, holy and belonging. It, what it typifies, and it means that it is priceless. It is uh, very valuable. And you are, as a child of God, and in Christ, extremely val- valuable. Now, to illustrate, how do we determine the value of something? I wanted him to think about it for a minute. <laughs> That's exactly it. What is your house worth? We can tell you exactly what your house is worth, what someone will pay for it. You may think it's worth a ton of money. You may want to put a great big price, but it's only it's not worth a penny more or a penny less what someone will pay for it. That's what the value of your house is, right? And another way to determine value is who owns something. I saw this week uh, in the news, there's a lot in the news, uh, don't go there, uh, a dress belonging, previously belonging to Marilyn Monroe, sold for $4.8 million, right? My clothes, when I'm done with them, they go to the thrift store, right? Like 25 cents, 50 cents. I don't want that guy's shirt. It looks like Mr. Rogers. Um, (laughs) It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Four point eight million dollars. Why? Because who it belonged to, right? If you wanted, um, if you bought some regular old tennis shoes, they're they're worth the price. But if you got LeBron James tennis shoes that he wore in the NBA Finals, right? You know the ones that he when he blocked Iguodala in the end of the the game and they they blew the Warriors out of the stadium. What if you had LeBron James shoes? Some of you're like, oh, sick. switching there we go thank you what if you had you know so who owns something uh, will determine or help determine its value and let me say it again you are extremely valuable can I hear an amen you're priceless what will someone pay for something Deuteronomy 7 6 says you are a people holy to your Lord God his treasured possession and God says in Isaiah 43 4 you are precious to me That's why you're valuable. Uh, You're valuable because God paid a steep and healthy price. God bought you with a price. Do you know why you're valuable? Because God is your father. God's your father. It makes you valuable. He said in uh, Luke, he said, look at the birds, right? God feeds them, and you're far more more valuable than birds, right? Right? Birds chirp and fly and poop on your car. 
And God loves them. He, he cares, you know, he says they're cool. He loves the creation, but he loves you more. Right? He, he says you're more valuable than a bird, right? He, he loves you. You're valuable to him. He's your father. He, he, um, he cares for you. We need to have this deep, rich understanding to, to know our identity that God loves us and we're valuable. He's our father. Not only is he our father, but Jesus gave his life for me. So how valuable is something? What someone will pay for it? What was paid for your life? Jesus' own blood. He was ransomed for us. Think of the ransom. Man, if I'm ever kidnapped, I'm in trouble. I pay the ransom. We don't have it. <laughs> right? Not when he wears that sweater. But Jesus, the God of the universe, gave himself as a ransom. He saw you were lost. He saw your identity was taken. He saw you were you were stolen from, and he paid the price himself. That's how we know how valuable we are. are. And did you know he owns us? That's how we know who owns something will help determine its value. God owns you. Listen, God, God bought you with a price. Let's live like we're totally valuable. You're extremely valuable. The greatest price ever paid was paid for your life. And if we don't get that, we don't know our identity. We go through life thinking, man, I'm busted and I'm abused and I'm hurt. And, and we have these the wrong lenses on in our life and we never know who we really are. First Peter goes on in 2.10, it says, uh, this will lead into number three, but it says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. The third thing, it says you, for you to solidify your identity is to know that you are eternally loved. There's been times where we've all let someone down someone close to us and maybe you've let someone down I've I've let people down and sometimes we're not the best at loving and treating people like they're eternally loved by God but God says once you were not a people but now you're my people right you're my peeps look around the room for a minute these are God's people that God bought with the price he says not only are you chosen not only are you valuable you are eternally Loved eternally means forever. You ever notice at a wedding, when we stand up, we've done weddings here. Uh, Montana, there's a lot of outdoor weddings, which I particularly love. But uh, when you stand up and perform a wedding or witness a wedding, they say, uh, will you stand with this person through sickness and in health, right? Through rich or poor, through everything that comes your way, because circumstances may change, right? They may not be as handsome. They may not be as pretty as they once were. Like Proverbs says, beauty is fleeting, and uh, charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. Beauty goes away over time, but God says, hey, there's something more important on the inside, right? And so are you going to stand with someone that, are you going to fulfill that vow to, to eternally love all the way through? And sometimes we fail at that. We do. But God doesn't. Amen? God doesn't fail at love, and there's a few reasons. One, his love is unconditional. 
And it's unending. Did you know his love is unconditional? Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Right? It, you're eternally loved. That should lift your spirit today to know that God loves you. And even when we fade on the outside, we must ask God to know that eternal love and help love other people in that way. Right? Why can I be eternally loved? Another reason is God is love. Psalms 105 verse 5 says, God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever. Think of the peace that could give you knowing that, walking in here today, knowing your identity in Christ, that, man, I'm eternally loved. My identity can't be taken if you know that, if you know that you're loved by God and that he loves you and it lasts forever. The Bible says that it's based on what the Bible says, not what everyone else has been saying about you. Right? So not only are we accepted, valuable, loved, the fourth thing to really solidify your identity and not have your identity stolen by the enemy is you are totally forgiven. Just breathe a big breath out. I'm totally forgiven. 1 Peter 2.10 said, as we read in the beginning, At one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. You've received his great mercy gives us great forgiveness. And not partially forgiven. You're not partially forgiven. You're totally forgiven, wiped away. And God's not sitting there holding your sins against you. He wipe, He totally washes them away. Even those of us that are even kind of good at forgiving. How many of you just think you're kind of, you're pretty good at forgiving? Just, yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, sometimes I'm not. Even those of us that are good at forgiving, there's a place in our mind and our place in our heart heart when we get hurt will categorize things away and will tuck them away to bring them back up later to shoot them at a dart at someone and I've done this myself or man I'm gonna I'm gonna really not totally forgive them I'm gonna hold this little thing uh, against someone because they may hurt me and I may put walls up and see guys sometimes we're not the best at totally forgiving but God is. Can I hear an amen? His great mercy leads us to forgiveness. And so God doesn't get historical. Oh, yeah, well, you did that. And I'm going to put, you know, so when, you're, when your car got a flat tire or your battery won't start, you know, as it gets colder, that's not God punishing you. You watched that bad show last week. Your car, your angels pop his tire. Oh, no. Ah, I didn't get my french fries in the drive-thru. Oh, God, you must be mad at me. Right? God's not here to get back at you. He's here to love you and tell you you're totally forgiven. In Romans 8.1, we need to get this into our spirit. It says there is now no condemnation for those who are in 
Christ Jesus. See that? In Christ. Man, you're in Christ. There's no condemnation. There's, there's none of that. There's no regrets. There's no, there's, everything is wiped away. And sometimes I think we live as if we're partially forgiven or partially free. You are totally free and totally forgiven. Can I hear an amen? I love the, the story of Jesus at the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. Lazarus died. Jesus was late uh, to come when he was sick. Uh, but how many you know God's never late? He's always right on time. They said, if you wouldn't have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. He died of the illness and was placed in a tomb for a few days. Jesus stood at that tomb and said, Lazarus, come out. Imagine that. And there's shuffling and there's noise. And imagine the fear and the audacity people would have felt as they looked. And all of a sudden it says, uh, Lazarus shuffled out. And one of my favorite parts of that story is Jesus later on says, uh, loose him or take off his grave clothes and let him go. Because he was wrapped up. And it's like the I picture it, and this is just me, uh, but I picture it like the mummy's revenge. Lazarus, come out. And it's not Lazarus, like, dun 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 da He's wrapped up, and so he's like, <laughs> small children and women are fleeing. Jesus, what have you done? The graves are opening up. It's the mummy. He's wrapped in graves clothes, and he says, loose him and let him go. And some of us are spiritually raised from the dead, but we're walking around in our old grave clothes and our old sin and our old sickness and our old mindset and our old identity, walking around like this, and God's saying, no, I raised you from the dead. Be loosed and be free in Jesus' name. Be loosed and be free. I'm totally, uh, totally forgiven. How can we know this? Because it's God's nature to forgive. You know, forgiveness isn't just something he does. It's who he is. It's in his nature. Just like a lion's nature is to hunt, or a car's nature is to drive, or a fence post nature is to sit straight. Sometimes, or they tip over. God's nature... His nature is to forgive. It's who he is. It's, it's wrapped up in, in who he is. The Bible says that in Isaiah 43. It says, I am the God who forgives your sins. I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. It's in the Bible. It's not coming from me. It's from God. We have to get that in our spirit to really get our access identity card to know who we are so we can go through life freely and say, no, enemy, look at who I really am. Right? So we're free in Christ. Not only uh, is it his nature, but Jesus paid for your sins. For by the blood of Christ we are set free, that is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. Totally forgiven. Maybe today you've never encountered the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. He died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins and raised on the third day so we can uh, receive him and have new life and our sins are totally forgiven. Maybe you need to find the cross again today. Maybe you've forgotten how great that forgiveness is and you've been living like you're partially forgiven. Maybe you're looking over the shoulder of your life too much and looking at that old man. Stop that. Maybe you're rehearsing what you did instead of who you are. My question is, who told you that? 
Who told you you're a sinner? Who told you you're sick? Who told you you're that old person? You're free in Christ. Amen. Find the cross. Find that forgiveness. Find that you are totally and completely forgiven. When you do that, you find your identity. You find home. There's a story of an old story of a constable in old inner city London back when it was cobblestone streets. Uh, constable found a young boy crying at the corner. He was lost. I can't find my home. He said, I can't find my house. Well, where do you live? He totally lost track of, he was in a new neighborhood and in this huge sprawling city. Uh, at that time, he didn't know where he was, but right in the dead center of this, of London, uh, was a place called the Charing Cross. And there literally used to be a cross there. Now it's the Charing Cross underground station. It's the corner of Strand, Whitehall, and Coxper Streets, nearly in the dead center of London. And the boy said this. He said, I don't know where my house is, but if I can find the cross, I can find home. Come on, if you can find the cross and find your forgiveness and re remember that God forgave you and live in that place, you find home, you find your identity, you find that you're accepted and valuable and loved and totally forgiven. I know it's simple, but profound stuff. We have to get into our spirits. Last and final thing, and we'll, we'll land the plane here with number five, the last portion. I know we need to get uh, right to get our identity right. And this one's pretty fun. Uh, you are fully capable. You are fully capable. It said in our text, you are, and it's a this strange writing. If you don't work this out and study it, it, it can sound strange, but Peter told us, uh, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Did you know you're a priest in God? Or a priest S, I guess? Priestesses? Right? I'm a church leader and work in the church, but uh, I'm not the priest at Clark Fork City Church. Jesus has made us kings and priests to rule and reign. He actually made you. What does a priest do? It can sound confusing in a royal priest. You're what is that, a robe and a big pointy hat, you know, or a weird, you know, jewelry? And uh, God made you a royal priesthood, a holy nation chosen to tell about. You know what a priest does? They represent God to man and man to God. And so if we ask the question, how many priests or pastors or ministers in Clark Fork City Church? A bunch. There should be a couple hundred priests in Clark Fork City Church, men, women, boys, and girls, all people that have been called by God, totally uh, capable, fully capable in God because you're in Christ, not because of who you are, by the way, right? Not because of your strength, not because of your power. I love the story of in David and Goliath. Uh, young David, who's a teenage boy, goes out to fight Goliath. I can fight him. Remember Saul tries to put all this armor on him? cumbersome big old tight armor and and david tries he goes i can't go out in these i can't move in this sometimes we try to add things to our capability that god says you don't need that you just need to be in christ he's the one who makes you totally capable so we represent man to god and god to 
man, every member a minister, every person a servant, every one of you called in your vocation, in the calling that you, your work, your vocation, the word vocation, Latin for vocal or voice, whatever, wherever God has placed you, he has made you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I feel like you're not believing this one today. Let's look at what Acts 26, 18 says. Our job as priests is to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's your job, to help open their eyes, to be a fully capable person that God has chosen. And he says, you've got the goods. You have the ability in me even though you don't feel like it. Amen? How do we know this? How do we know uh, we're capable? A few scriptures to help cement this in us today. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. The capacity we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving in the new covenant. That's really good news, guys. He gave us the capacity. He gave me the ability he gave me the, the new outlook. He filled me up with so much power that I, I have capacity from him. And then Philippians 4.13, this amazing verse. How can you be capable? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Christ lives in you. That's how you're capable. God of the universe lives in you, and he makes you capable as a priest to rule and reign in God, are you with me today? So maybe today you don't feel accepted or valuable or loved or forgiven or capable. Maybe there's been, I said this in the introduction, maybe there's been a curse spoken over your life or something has happened in your life that cursed uh, your own outlook of yourself. How do you reverse a curse? How do you reverse and change the, the tune and, and get that new identity? You have to start believing the truth, not lies. Take these words, take these five things, write them down. They're super simple, but memorize them. And when the devil whispers to you at night or on the marketplace or uh, to your family, say, no, devil, I am accepted. I am valuable. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am capable. I'm not who you say I am right? That is my identity. It affects everyone. By the way, the guy in Georgia that was found beaten behind the Burger King in 2004, dissociative amnesia, in September 2015, through the work of a genetic genealogist, he learned his identity. Imagine that 11 years, and his name is Benjamin Kyle. Imagine that waking up. Hi, Benjamin. That's you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many people have lost their identity in their life and lost track of who they are? And the simple message of the gospel is Jesus came and said, you are so valuable that I would pay the most valuable price for you. What's it worth? What someone will pay for it. What's your life worth? Jesus paid an amazing price, right? So we need to fight. We need to fight against the enemy and realize uh, who we are in God. Amen? This whole uh, 
identity uh, stolen thing. Maybe in the natural. Let me just see. How many of you have ever had a credit card stolen or not spiritually, but your identity was compromised? Let's just see around the room. I looked up this, um, and I'm going to paraphrase, but the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, give steps. If your identity, if you think your identity has been compromised, they give a few steps. And I want you to listen to these. They say, or if your credit card is taken, number one, detect or realize that your identity has been taken. Right? That makes sense. You need to realize your identity has been taken. Then they say, alert anyone who can minimize the damage. So in other words, call the credit card company. You know, I've lost my wallet about 7,000 times. My son's job in the morning on Sunday morning is to say, Dad, do you have your keys? Do you have your wallet? Do you have your coffee? And do you have your sermon? And I usually forget three of those four. And my wallet, I don't lose it, lose it, like drop it in the street, but I like lose it under the seat of the car, in a pair of pants somewhere. Uh, so <laughs> my poor wife, pray for that lady. Uh, there's times where I've lost, you lose your ID. It's like losing your ID. What am I going to do? Who am I going to call the credit cards? Cancel all the, all the times I've said, babe, cancel all the credit cards. She goes, round, well, sure, they'll turn up. And they do. So alert anyone that can minimize damage. Close, the third thing, close any accounts created on a false basis. Take control, number four, take control of your identity. Change the passwords and change what needs to be changed. And number five, stay alert to defend yourself. This could happen again. That's the gospel according to the STC, FTC. <laughs> FTC. Think about that. Realize your identity's been taken. Some of you today need to be wake up and realize, wow, my identity's been taken. Not, I, I, and maybe you gave it away. It's been, or the enemy came in and took that thing. Man, let's take it back today. Realize it's been taken. Alert anyone that can minimize damage. Man, get on the horn. Get some prayer. Let somebody know. Man, my identity's been damaged. Close any accounts. I love that one, and that would preach. This would be a great message. Close any accounts. What accounts are outstanding that, that God says they're closed, but the enemies tried to reopen the account? No, close the account and get back your identity. Take control of it and stay alert to defend yourself. Let's stand for a moment today. Father, we pray today you would help us find our true identity that's only found in you. And even taking it a step further, would you help myself, would you help this church and everyone that's walked in the room treat people as their identity deserves? Where we failed, Lord, please help us. Please help recapture who we are Maybe today you'll undo words where the devil said, you are this. And your words to them is, who told you that? God, you said you, we are accepted and loved and forgiven and free, fully capable. Help us to know that your identity, based on who you say we 
are. In Jesus' name, God, we just declare freedom across the room that chains would fall. People that they spiritually lost their wallet, they lost their ID card, they lost their way home, they forgot about the cross. They forgot about what happened when they committed their life to you. We pray today, God, that you would restore and release and free. And when the devils try to distort, to pervert, and to destroy, would you give life and life more abundantly today? Help them find who they are. Maybe it's been 11 years or 10 years or 9 years or a year and they've lost their way. Bring them home today in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. Amen. Hey, we're going we're gonna to respond uh, by singing together and singing back to God, thanking him for what he's done. And please don't rush off. We have a baptism in a moment. But let's sing in response to how great God is. Let's go.